Waterfall, the CCW podcast. Hello and welcome to Waterfall, the water saving podcast brought to you by CCW. That stands for the Consumer Council for Water. One day we'll explain CCWR, but to be honest, that'd be a whole episode in itself. So let's just move on quickly. So I'm Mike and I'm here with the guru. It's Karen. Hi, Karen. Hello, Mike. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. You sound very perky. That's very good. <laughs> Usually that you have this air of, uh, of like doom and resignation <laughs> when you start these podcasts. Well, we've got, we've got guests on, so it's always exciting. That is true. Now, before we dive into the guests, what's the point of us, Karen? <laughs> well, we're, we're trying to um, talk about things that we think are going to be really helpful for people. So talking about how we can save water, um, and if we save water, that we can also potentially save energy, and we can also help to protect the environment. Very good. That is what Waterfall is all about. I think you missed out combating climate change. Well, there's that as well, but, you know, um, I'm just not sure how much I can squeeze in. But what's not to like about Waterfall, <laughs> apart from possibly the dodgy Scottish hoops? But, you know, at least Karen, the wonderful Karen makes up for it, right? So today's topic is, is nature and the relationship between what we use and the impact that has on the environment. As Karen, as you said, we've got another guest. We are on an absolute roll when it comes to guests. So we've got Alistair Chisholm coming in. He is policy director, that sounds special, from SIWEM. SIWEM are the chartered, if you will, I think that means the Queen or the King has done something to them, the Chartered Institute of Water and Environmental Management. So basically, he's a water and nature boffin. That's what we need to care about. So he'll be popping in very, very soon. Now, notice, Karen, I was very careful with my words. I used the word boffin to describe Alistair, not guru. you happy with that? Does that meet your approval? Well, it's fine by me, but I just hope it's going to be okay with Alistair. Well, oh, so I like the way you've implied there that there's a downgrade, that boffin is not quite as important as a guru. <laughs> well, we should see. Um, we, we should see. Don't worry, I won't mention this to Alistair. We like Alistair. Let's not try and offend the guests. Well, maybe not the first time they appear. Uh, but, you know, not having two gurus does mean that you can stay for the interview because, you know, if you have a clash in the gurus, it somehow throws the world out of equilibrium. But, you know, a guru in a boffin in the same room is okay. So we will be hearing from Alistair later. Now, you do know that I love getting feedback on the show, and we have had feedback, international feedback, if you will. So we heard from Sabine, who got in touch. She is from Germany. Hello, Sabine, and thank you for listening. See how surprised they are that we've actually got a listener in in Germany. Anyway, Sabine uh, flagged something that had been sent around on social media from a, a German radio station. And uh, a bit of important context is that it, most of Germany is in drought. So uh, the, the vast majority of the country is in drought, and it's quite a serious drought. We, you know, there's been things on the news about that. The rivers are running dry, big rivers and transport problems because the barges can't go up the Rhine and all sorts. So anyway, so she said something that was uh, put around by uh, SWR, who are a radio and TV station. He- heard of them? 
No, no, no big on our no. German radio stations, TV. <laughs> no, no very good old Tom's getting in there with the German already. Anyway, so she sent something through, which is great, by the way, and it's from social media. So I'm going to read it out. Um, I'm going to read it out in German. Uh, so I'm going to apologize in advance to everyone, basically everyone, uh, for, for this. Um, I do have all grade German, so Tom, you, you're under the age of 40. That's like GCSE, or if you're listening in Scotland, that's like Nat Fives. Um, so here is my best German. Um, here we go. Duschen und Pinkeln. Einmal am Tag in die Dusche Pinkeln spart rund 2200 Liter Wasser im Jahr. So, Again, again, I say I'm very sorry. To, I mean, there's lots of people who are listening in Europe, and that's why Britain's left the EU. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> and, and, that's, and that's the other, this is the reason why we've not made the charts in Germany. Um, and we never will at this rate. Um, so, what, what does this mean? Any, any ideas? Karen? There was some reference to water in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, very good. T Tom, producer Tom, looks to be cheating with some kind of internet-based device. Are you, you're not translating, are you? No, I, I was purely making sure I was recorded. Uh, douche, I heard. Some sort of toilet thing in there, I think. So we've got water and toilet. We're getting warmer. We're getting warmer. Oh, God, oh, warm toilet. No. <laughs> no, so duschen und pinkeln, that means shower and pee. Pinkel is P. So, einmal am Tag in die Dusche pinkeln spart rund 2,200 Liter Wasser im Jahr. So that's once, if what basically if you pee in the shower once a day, you'll save around 2,200 liters of water in a year. Oh. There you go. Um, Wunderbar. Good, good. Oh, Tom, don't build your part up. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll good go advice quiet. or not? Karen saying nothing. So well, I actually think they've underestimated their 2,200 uh, because they clearly have more water-efficient toilets in Germany than they do in the UK. Because if you use one of our older 12-litre water flushes, I did the calculations. You know, I like the calculations. That comes to over 4,000 litres um, a day. And now, by the way, if everyone in the family did that, and save 12 litres a day, and that's almost 15 litres per purse, per family, that's that's about 50 quid a year saving. Wow. So, uh, anyway, um, I am have to say I'm fine with having a wee in the shower. Um, Karen, your laughter earlier suggested you may have a difference of opinion on that. So where do you stand then on being in the shower? Well, we've probably all done it at some point. <laughs> You're vol involuntary. <laughs> But I, um, I certainly don't make a habit of it. <laughs> Tom, where, where do you stand? I'm a millennial, Mike. We do it all the time. It's all good. Okay. <laughs> so we've got our Karen, best avoid. Tom, go for it. And yeah, I regularly have my daily tinkle when I have my shower. <laughs> um, Moving swiftly on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Um, are, are you sure? Because I would, I would love to stick with showering house. Anyway. Thank you, Sabine, for sending that. I think there's some sage advice. And by the way, if SWB are listening, you know, feel free to plug the podcast. Um, and, you know, we're bigging you up. We're sure you're wonderful, whatever you do. Um, so, zooming back in today's topic, which is water and the environment and nature. There's clearly a link between the public water supply and, and nature. 
That that's right. I mean, the water we use is taken from the natural environment, so from rivers, boreholes, which are sort of wells, um, or reservoirs. Um, so we've we've got to make sure that there's enough to go around for people, but we also need to make sure that there's enough left in the environment to look after nature. Oh, well, that seems really easy then, right? And just on the face of it, make sure we take our fair share, but don't exploit the environment. Um, I mean, it would be nice if it was that simple. Um, I mean, I think the problem is that, you know, the demands for public water supply are increasing and the amount of water that's available to take out of all those sources is reducing because of climate change. Hold on. So demand increasing, but amount decreasing. That's not a great combo. So I can see why that would lead to uh, some some tension. Obviously, we've got a drought on in a moment and... Uh, Sometimes I recall hearing environmental groups calling for hosepipe bans to be introduced earlier uh, than they were, or in some cases they've still not been introduced. Are, are they right to call call for hosepipe bans to be on earlier? Um, well, I, I think the thing is that at the moment the companies follow their drought plans, and so these are based on the companies. Um, uh, forecasts for what's going to be happening with the weather, their understanding of how their resources respond to those sorts of weather conditions. And it's a constant sort of balancing job. But, you know, with climate change and an increase in uncertainty, um, you know, we're going to have to keep um, those plans under constant review. And it may mean that, you know, we will start to see more frequent droughts and restrictions might need to come in earlier than they have done traditionally. So what you're saying then is companies are following their agreed plans on what to do when the weather's really dry and not just making it up as they go along. No, absolutely. Enjoying the show? Please consider leaving a five-star rating on iTunes and Spotify. So it's great to, to welcome Alastair Chisholm to the show as a guest. He is a water and environment boffin. So a boffin. Alistair, hello. Hi, hi, Mike. Meets a guru, Karen. What happens when a boffin meets a guru? Do you have any, any views? I guess we can share each other's pain, Alistair. <laughs> At least we speak the same language, Karen. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't want to even comment what that is. Right. Um, the first really tough question for you, Alistair. I've known you for a while, but I've noticed people call you Al. Is Alistair or Al the big question of the day? Mike, I think you've always called me Alistair. I've, I've, in all the time I've known you, I've always thought I'm in trouble. So let's not break with tradition. Okay, we'll stick with Alistair. Karen, you can call him Al. <laughs> <laughs> so look, you know what we're about here at, um, at Waterfall. And from your perspective, why bother saving water? Look, I think we as human beings are innately connected to water aren't we um even ourselves even our, like our own bodies we're i think 80 percent ish um water it's absolutely critical to our survival you don't have to go too long without water uh before you're in serious trouble you know next to air pretty much you know we're stuffed if we don't have it so um it's really really important just to our uh, immediate health and well-being um, but the natural environment also um, needs water, fundamentally. Um, and I think, you know, as a society, we're increasingly reconnecting with and, and valuing uh, our natural environment. We see it under growing pressure. We see the strain that it's under. You know, I think it's, it's both immediately important to us and it's really important to, to the natural environment. I think 
we think as as a society in this country that we live in this really wet country um and i think yeah yeah it's it's damp um but we also have a high population density as as countries go um so that wetness has to spread around a lot of people to consume it um and you know government has asked its infrastructure advisors uh, whether we've got enough water going into the future or whether we're going to need a bit more. And they came back and they said, well, probably by 2050, we need about 4,000 million litres of water a day extra to, to meet our needs. Um, we've kind of got used to building our way out of these kind of challenges that, that we see at the moment with climate change and, and um, nature pressures and so on. But the further we go into that difficult territory, the harder it gets to to build um, our way out of it and engineer our way out of it, it also gets much more expensive. So it stands to reason that we should actually look at what we're using, whether we're using a bit too much, whether we could easily maintain our lifestyles by using a little less so that we don't have to spend tons more money on building big bits of infrastructure and and stuff um, to keep that supply going when we don't necessarily need all of it. So I think that's why it's important. So, yeah, just a very quick sidebar, because it's very interesting that water is vital for our survival. And, and so is air. This is what you brought up. So do, what do you think is t- taken most for granted? Water, clean water or clean air? Go. Yes or no? Which one? Not yes or no. Uh, most for granted, I think clean water. We're so used to turning the tap on and clean How often in your life? Um, do you turn the tap on and clean water doesn't come out? Whereas, you know, you walk out in the street and smelly lorry goes past or, or car and you kind of think about your air quality. But that really, really, to most people, doesn't happen with water. Karen, your views? I think I'd agree. I mean, I think some people are very fortunate that you can you, you live in places where you do have access to sort of fresh air, etc. You know, so you, you perhaps, you know, take that for granted as well. But I think you're absolutely right, Alistair. I mean, the research that we've done shows that, you know, people, people do, you know, we all take it for gr- water for granted. Um, and I think, you know, the, the, the problem is we've got into the habit of taking it for granted. So it's, what can we do to kind of make people just stop and think before they um, turn the tap on or, you know, um, you know, use that washing machine or dishwasher? You know, it's, it's just about, as you, as you quite rightly said, you know, making some small adjustments, really, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, that oh, how, do we say we're a bit complacent around it now? I think, but it's fair enough because in in. Britain, we were the kind of pioneers or one of the pioneers of clean water and sanitation. We we got on that job really early. And so we've had that for a long, long time. But now, um, with things like climate change, stuff is changing. Um, the landscape is changing. And we've got a whole range of different um, scenarios that we have to kind of adjust to that just weren't part of life a couple of decades ago. Um, so it's, it is perfectly understandable that we think we can just turn the tap on and it'll always come out. Um, yeah, but we're slightly in more uncharted waters now. No, absolutely. So we hear a lot about, you know, we've got an environmental crisis, um, you know, water, nature, there are big things going on. And obviously, I, I suspect you'd agree with that. Um, 
But what does that mean in a practical sense? You know, bring, bring that to life. What does an environmental crisis look like to someone who is maybe listening to this going, I hear about it, but I've not really noticed it. I think this summer was a really kind of in some ways useful wake-up call. So I think the environmental crisis, so what we tend to talk about when, when we use those words is either climate change or nature decline. On the climate front, so we've seen about just over one degree average temperature rise globally so far. And, you know, climate experts and, and um, international negotiators, they say we're on course given what different countries have said they will um, reduce their carbon emissions to. We're on course for between two and three degrees. Now, if you bear in mind the heat wave that we saw this summer and you bear in mind also the, the meteorological office today, they, I think it was today or yesterday, they released some uh, information about where in the country different heat records have been broken. There were parts of the country that saw their previous records shattered by six degrees. That is mental, That's- isn't it? So, you know, we used to we used to seeing like a quarter of a degree rise on the previous record or half a degree, six degrees. It's absolutely bonkers. And that's just with one degree of warming. We get to three, never mind maybe four, five, six, which is conceivably possible. Um, That's what a crisis kind of looks like. So if you thought that particularly, you know, if you live down in the south and east of the country where it was really super hot this summer, you think what that felt like, because I think to a lot of people it was shocking just how hot it it felt, then potentially that's nothing compared to what's coming. Um, And of course, again, if you're lucky enough to have a garden, look outside the effect that that had on your plants and and on just the the species in, in your really immediate environment. My garden was absolutely wrecked after, you know, one day of, of really intense heat. And you see some of the pictures of, of rivers drying up and, and that kind of thing on, on the TV over the summer. It's really quite profound. But as I say, it's potentially nothing compared to what could be coming along down the, the, down the tracks. No, that really brings it to life. And I think some of the things we saw this summer do act as that wake-up call for us because it's very easy just to kind of think... We live in a, a wet country, as you, as you said. And just going back to what we saw in the summer, you know, we saw on the TV images of yeah, that were very powerful wildfires. I mean, they they, they were they were very very powerful images. And we saw things like fish, fish rescues. Again, I think they're quite shocking. We see these pictures, you know, fish floundering in a you know a puddle that was once a, a big river. And I'm just trying I'm just trying to link that to public water supply. When, when you see pictures like that. Is that driven by the fact it's just been very dry or is it driven by the fact we're taking too much from rivers? Do you, do, are you able to disaggregate that? So was I, was I a boffin? You're a boffin. You should know you this stuff, to... by the way. I've, well, I've often I wondered about you, you, you see a fish restaurant on the telly and you go, is that me because we've been drinking too much from public water supply? Or is it just because it's really dry? It would have happened anyway. I'm guessing it's a, it's a combination of the both, isn't it, Alistair? Did you just say yeah, depends? <laughs> No, I avoided saying depends. I wasn't trying to. I wasn't totally trying to swerve the question. Uh, To be honest, I think it's a really difficult uh, one to answer. You know, in a a kind of binary way. So, 
Water companies get given a license to take water out of the environment and it has those licenses. They will let companies take a certain amount out and leave a certain amount back for the natural environment so that the, those fish, they, they have enough. That's really important. The problem with that is, is under drought conditions, water companies can apply to vary those licenses so they can take more out. And obviously under drought conditions, that's when the natural environment is also under most pressure. Um, so it, public water supply, abstraction for public water supply, is kind of sacrosanct that water companies have a, a duty, legal duty, to ensure a wholesome supply of, of water to their customers, however that comes, you know, even if they have to tanker it in. Um, the environment under those kind of conditions does come second. And so depending on how bad a drought gets, then yes, it, it may be that um, by and large it's public water supply um, that is having a, a really big impact. But, you know, the rate of evaporation out of water resources and from the soil and uh, um, so on, that, that will dramatically increase when you get these really, really hot um, spells or record dry spells, you know, super dry over a couple of months in the summer. And so it's, it is a combination of lots of different factors. Unfortunately, the point where we need the water the most, that's when the environment needs the water the most. And the, the more spare water we can kind of try and trap in the natural environment, in things like soils, the more buffer there is before we get to those, you know, harrowing points. So I heard it once said during the summer, uh, I think, Alistair, this might have even been you, but correct me if I'm wrong, that... One litre saved from public water supply, uh, one litre you save it by not using it, is one litre back into the environment. Is that, is that true? I don't remember saying that. But to be honest with you, I think there's a lot of logic in it. So, you know, water companies will take the water that they need out of the environment. Um, with the exception of leakage, they're not taking it out and just giving people what they need and then throwing the rest away somewhere else. Ultimately, if they did throw it away, it would go back into the environment, but maybe not in parts of the environment where it's needed the most. So if if you don't use a litre of water coming out of your tap, then the water company doesn't need to abstract that litre. It makes sense to me. Um, and to be honest, as a as a rule to live by, it's quite a good way of connecting your mindset and your behaviour as a water user with what's happening in the environment. It's a good way to think. Yeah, and I, and I agree with that. I, I agree with that, Alistair. I suppose what, what I was thinking about, and I was interested whether you have a view on this, is whether it then just gets frees it up for someone else to nick it, someone that's not the, the natural environment. Well, there are other legitimate users of, of water, you know, out there that uh, other than public water supply, really important ones, so farming, energy. Um, and... Generally speaking, those are the first things that, well, farming in particular struggled in, in parts of the country this, this summer. Um, so we, we do have to think about what is necessary to kind of keep society functioning and, and our economy running well. Um, it, it all helps, um, to be honest. And so it's not someone else nicking it if you don't use it. It's just a little bit there else to go around. Um, so 
again, I think it's a good maxim to live by. I mean, for me, it's a really interesting point because often you hear people say, oh, you know, um, for example, with so much water lost through leakage, how can the little bit of water that I save make a difference? But I think what we're saying here is, you know, if we're all saving the odd litre here and there collectively, it can make a big difference. Absolutely, and I agree with both of you guys here on this. By the way, yeah, I'm just—I was just interested whether you had stronger views that you know there was some other interventions that meant that actually that wasn't the case. So I'm glad, I'm glad to know it's, it's not the case. So that's good. And um, so you know, you've mentioned this already, and we've talked about this on the show a lot that we're going to see more droughts and extreme weather in the future, and of course, population growth. You've met, you've, you know, Britain is some parts of Britain is incredibly dense population. That's just going to get. Um, even even more dense. Uh, but what what needs to be done then to tackle that tension that that you've you've already described the tension actually as between people and nature. You know, how do we ensure that both get what they need, given the pressures on all sides are increasing? I mean, I think the first thing to say is it it is going to get increasingly difficult. It is going to get more expensive. We're going to have to spend money on new infrastructure, um, on fixing leaks. Um, but I think we can be a lot more creative about how we do store water in, in this country and, and in general across the world. So people um, people think about reservoirs um, and, and water mains that may or may not leak. You know, that's... To, to a lot of people, that's what water infrastructure looks and feels like when we're talking about water for public supply. Um, it comes from natural river flows as well. Uh, it comes from groundwater. So we have a lot of chalk aquifers in this country or, or sandstone aquifers, which um, can store large amounts of water. And, and those can be uh, really, really important. But there's a, the kind of upstream of that almost or further up in the air so in a different part of the water cycle to that there's other opportunities where we can store water and particularly um around how we manage our land um the we don't have a lot of tree and plant cover in this this country we've we've got rid of most of our, our trees and and they are really really good at helping water to soak into the soil where it can be stored and the soil is like a massive massive sponge the amount of water that soils can store um, and if those soils are sat over the top of one of those chalk aquifers then that can potentially help that aquifer recharge more quickly when we have some rainfall um, stop it drying out as quickly if the, the soil above it is wet that's to do with almost how we're um uh uh, policies that are driving tree planting or how we're farming our land it's nothing to do with whether or not we've built a reservoir or fixed a, a leak but it's all part of the water cycle um, and I think we need to think of it much more in terms of this bigger cycle and of course we're part of that cycle as well as water consumers so we talk about saving water yeah that's putting less pressure on that kind of upstream huge spongy planty reservoir thing um, of which kind of concrete infrastructure is just actually a pretty small piece. Um, so it's it's about thinking water in everything we do, very, very crudely and simply. I love this. Think big. Yeah. Think big. Think, think upstream. Massive. 
massive. No, I, I love that because people don't see, and it's and it's understandable. People don't see beyond, uh, say, a reservoir, and then that uh, we know that winds people up. We know that people find the prospect of a new reservoir being built near them vastly unpopular. Which uh, I, I have to say, I do find slightly baffling. But I love them. Uh, where I live, you know, I can go for a walk. And um, one of the places I like to go for a walk is around the local reservoirs in North London. Uh, you get loads of wildlife around them. Good for recreation. So, you know, I, I think, I guess, unless you were going to be displaced as a community or something like that, in which case, perfectly understandable. I, I think there's huge opportunities and it comes down to how well they've been built. And, and um, you know, they can be designed to enhance nature um they can be designed in a way that provides recreational opportunity uh so you know again i think we just need to be thoughtful how we develop these kind of things yeah well i think we've just lost all our listeners from south Oxfordshire now (laughs) 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 oh oh well Um, so so uh i've got a couple of extra questions for you uh alistair now you guys at cywem i mean cywem it sounds so posh doesn't it cywem so um, you you guys produce your own podcast, don't you? Uh, Planet Possible, and of which I am a fan. I got hooked last Christmas. I binged on your podcast last Christmas. Um, do you want to give a quick plug for the great work you do on, on Planet Possible? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Mike. Um, it's a it's a great podcast. It's um, recently changed to Planet Possible from something that was not half as accessible a name. But really, Planet Possible sums up what it's all about. Um, we try and get on their guests that have um, really interesting uh, solutions to uh, the the environmental pressures that uh, we have. We sometimes get a guru or a boffin. Um, We've on. never been sometimes invited on, Alistair. I just want to say, neither, <laughs> neither Karen nor my, or even producer We'll get Tom you on this. soon. We'll get you on soon. <laughs> um, we just have a chat around sometimes what are quite technical subjects, but we try to do it in a way that um, make those really accessible. Uh, even if you, you know, you don't have a boffin degree or something. Um, and and uh, we try and cover all kinds of, of environmental subject matter. There is a bit of a watery theme running through it, given that we're Cywem. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all kinds of planetary challenges and all kinds of planetary solutions and, and everything's possible on planet possible and, and ever wanting to end on a high note i mean are, are you seeing signs that for optimism i think i think we're a, a bit of a crossroads at the moment to be honest with you i think we know how we can fix a lot of the challenges that we're up against right now um i think it's down to a lot of political will uh how much people demand from decision from their local decision makers your local mps that that you put um you know healthy water and a healthy environment really right up the top of their agenda and you know i appreciate that when you've got immediate concerns around cost of living and all of that kind of thing it's it's difficult to do i think we specifically on water there's actually a lot of opportunity to save money um so, you know, there are a lot of win-wins out there when we look at environment. And ultimately, our economy is built on a healthy environment. If if our environment is not healthy, ultimately, our economy will suffer uh, in the longer term. Um, and there's a lot of us out there who have kids, grandkids, and 
unless we are pretty ambitious and pretty brave in the kind of um, actions that we take, they don't face a particularly brilliant future. So um, we can choose to do the the brave thing and implement a lot of these solutions, even if they're hard. We kind of know how to do that. Um, or we can choose not to, in which case, yeah, it's it's not so optimistic. Well, let's hope people take the right decisions. <laughs> Definitely. What would you like Waterfall to cover next? Send your water-saving topics to podcast at ccwater.org.uk. So that was Alistair Chisholm. He is a water boffin. Shall we upgrade him to a guru, Karen? What do you think? Oh, I definitely think he deserves it. Really? Okay, I'm the jury's out from my point of view. So I did ask Alistair off air how much water he used per day. So what's his personal water consumption? Uh, and he came back with a rather impressive 90 litres per day. He then rather sneakily tried to downgrade it and say, but he thinks it's even less because that was based on his last bill. But I'm not, I'm not taking his revised down figure. <laughs> I'm sticking with the 90. But that does put him in a good position on our leaderboard around, I think, where Steve Grebby was and, uh, but, but miles better than where Andy White was. So, you know. Yeah, your competition is heating up there. Yeah, it's making me feel like a bit of an outlier. Oh, Karen, yeah, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to go there. I think we'll revisit this later in the year, Karen, and hopefully you'll have, uh, you know, your own water habits will have, uh, you know, perked up a bit. I mean, maybe you could consider saving a flush each morning at the time you have a shower. <laughs> I, I can think of a way to do that. Yeah, I'll, I'll bear that one in mind. So, so look, we, we, we heard a lot today, um, and Al- Alistair made some really strong points about why we should save water and the impact it has on, on nature. And I think, um, f- for me, what really struck me is just how much water is this, this shared resource, and it's not just for people to use whatever they like, you know, and, and that keeping that impact in mind. And I really like that whole, you know, one litre saved by using less ourselves is one litre back in the natural environment and that's very very powerful um yeah what, what about you Karen what's what struck you from what what we just heard yeah well I, I think like you that was a really powerful po- you know point to me because you, you know as, as I said it it's one of those things where we tend to think oh what difference can I make but it's what we can all do if we're all trying together and we're all you know seeing the part that we can all play now, we're running out of time for this edition of Waterfall, so don't forget you can get in touch like Sabine did. Um, you can uh, you can get in touch. We've got an email address. It's podcast at ccwater.org.uk. And also don't forget you can check out all the previous episodes now of Waterfall. They're available uh, from wherever you get your podcasts from. We always love to hear from you. So uh, some more top tips. I love the shower. I love the shower tip today. It was it was almost as good as having Alistair in, but not quite. Um, so that's it. That's all we've got time for. So that's goodbye from me, Mike. And it's goodbye from me.